Hello, everybody. Welcome once again. As we continue on in our Bible study that we're doing on the New Testament, um, we're working through it a chapter at a time, and we are currently in the book of Luke. Uh, today, in particular, we're going to be in Luke chapter 17. We're moving right along. Um, after the book of Luke, we're going to do the book of Acts. So uh, that's coming up. We put those two together, and most of you know why now, because Luke wrote both the books. And he wrote them both to a man named Theophilus. See how much you've learned. And Theophilus means lover of God. And we're pretty sure it was a person named Theophilus, but even if it wasn't, it was to all the lovers of God, and so the title works for us even now. And um, the primary focus of the book of Luke is that it was written to Gentiles. And um, what Luke talks about all the time is concept of salvation and how to get saved and what it's all about. And, and um, much like Matthew and Mark, we've watched the uh, encounters of Jesus uh, with people. We've seen the reactions of the Pharisees. We've seen the reactions of the crowd. And we've seen the reactions of the disciples. And that the disciples have chosen to follow him. They put their faith in him. The Pharisees, by this point, have rejected him. The crowds uh, have been trying to walk sort of an edge, but they, they, they're coming to a spot where Jesus has basically told them you either have to choose in or out. There's no middle ground for you. And we've watched uh, as this process has continued. And uh, we've, we've seen for the last six or seven chapters where while Jesus is still talking to crowds, he's spending way more time with his disciples, teaching them uh, about what it means to be a disciple. And, and what the life of a disciple looks like, telling them about some of the character issues, uh, telling them about what really matters, reminding them that to God it's all about people, and that they had, uh, for years, the, the Pharisees had made it so it wasn't about people at all, and that uh, Jesus was straightening all that out, um, that it was, it was about people. It was about loving God and loving others. And it was less about rules and regulations and much more about loving well. And that these are the things and the concepts that um, we need to be getting from these uh, verses and chapters in the book of Luke. Uh, today, we're going to look at Luke chapter 17. And uh, there's some interesting uh, discussion that goes on. Uh, uh, and it's primarily about faith, um, these, these verses and how it looks. But it, it kicks into a discussion in a pretty interesting way. And so... Let's, uh, let's read Luke chapter 17, verses 1 through 37. I'll read it to you, and uh, you can follow along in your Bibles or in your bulletin, um, whichever is most convenient, comfortable for you. Luke chapter 17, verses 1 and following. Jesus said to his disciples, <clears throat> Things that cause people to sin are bound to come, but woe to that person through whom they come. It would be better for him to be thrown into the sea with a millstone tied around his neck than for him to cause one of these little ones to sin. So watch yourselves. If your brother sins, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. If he sins against you, sins against you seven times in a day and seven times come back to you and says, I repent, forgive him. The apostle said to the Lord, increase our faith. He replied, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea, and it will obey you. Suppose one of you had a servant plowing or looking after the sheep. 
Would he say to the servant when he comes in from the field, come along now and sit down to eat? Would he not rather say, prepare my supper, get yourself ready and wait on me while I eat and drink? After that, you may eat and drink. Would he thank the servant because he did what he was told to do? So you also, when you've done everything you were told to do, should say, we are unworthy servants, we've only done our duty. Now, on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. And when he saw them, he said, Go, show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back, praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, Were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, Rise and go. Your faith has made you well. Once, having been asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, Jesus replied, The kingdom of God does not come with your careful observation. Nor will people say, Here it is or there it is, because the kingdom of God is within you. Then he said to his disciples, The time is coming when you will long to see one of the days of the Son of Man, but you will not see it. Men will tell you there he is or here he is. Do not go running off after them. For the Son of Man in his day will be like the lightning, which flashes and lights up the sky from one end to the other. But first he must suffer many things and be rejected by this generation. Just as it was in the days of Noah, so also will it be in the days of the Son of Man. People were eating, drinking, marrying, and being given in marriage up to the day Noah entered the ark. Then the flood came and destroyed them all. It was the same in the days of Lot. People were eating and drinking, buying and selling, planting and building. But the day Lot left Sodom, fire and sulfur rained down from heaven and destroyed them all. It will be just like this on the day the Son of Man is revealed. On that day, no one who was on the roof of his house with his goods inside should go down to get them. Likewise, no one in the field should go back for anything. Remember Lot's wife. Whoever, whoever tries to keep his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life will preserve it. I tell you, on that night, two people will be in, in one bed. One will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding grain together. One will be taken and the other left. Verse 36 is not in the NIV. Uh, I'm going to tell you why in a minute. In the King James, it actually says this. Uh, two men shall be in the field. The one shall be taken and the other left. Then back to 37. Where, Lord, they asked. And he replied, where there is a dead body, there the vultures will gather. And blessed be the word of the Lord. Kind of an interesting chapter. Uh, so, worth some discussion. Let's talk about verse 36. Um, every now and again, you'll find that uh, one of the newer translations omits a verse that you would find in the King James. And this is the reason for that. When they wrote the King James Version, they had X number of manuscripts. I don't know how many off the top of my head. But they had original manuscripts that they used to put together the King James Version. At the time that they translated some of these newer translations, like the NIV, um, they had found more and earlier manuscripts. So what they, what they found was that in some of the earliest manuscripts, 
some of those verses might not be in there. It's not many. It's a very, very small percentage. But if you ever wonder why, you might have in, in what you're reading, you'll see that there's a number and not a verse. They don't want to mess up the numbering system that's been established like with the King James. But there's a verse that might be different. They'll just, they'll omit it. And they'll note it, saying, in the earliest manuscripts that we could find, this verse wasn't in there. And, and then they'll, they'll make a note of that. That's all. That's, that's, I don't know if you've ever encountered that in your, in your studies, but if you ever see a, a, a little number and no verse, that's what's happened. There's, there's been earlier reliable manuscripts discovered that didn't have that in there. But um, if you came to 101 with Mike, he, he gives all the uh, manuscript evidence on the reliability of the Bible. And the, the thing is so amazingly reliable, it's crazy. For the amount of uh, manuscripts that there are and for the number of them that we have, we can trust that, that we got it the way it was written and the way it was intended for us to get in, in like almost, it's like 99 point something percent of the time. Is that, am I close, Mike? Thank you. Okay. Um, so... Uh, that's why that happens, in case you wondered. I, you might, maybe I didn't even need to say anything about it. You just wouldn't even... <laughs> oh, well. Now it's out there. Okay. All right, everything else makes perfect sense. I probably don't need to talk about it. Okay. Luke 17. It starts with Jesus talking to his disciples... Uh, about how wrong it is for someone to be involved in causing someone else to sin. And this is an interesting discussion that we need to be aware of. He was talking to his disciples at this point in time. You need to note that. So this is a, it's a, like a direct discussion with us. He's saying, look, sin, sin's out there, sin's going to happen. But woe, he's, it's a, one of those woe verses, woe to the person who causes someone else to sin. Now, I think a lot of times it would be easy for us to dismiss this um, to like um, to people that we think are really bad people. You know what I mean? You know how we label people and sin. So like you know, dismissing this as as uh, you know like people that sell drugs or or people that you know uh, figure out you know what you think of as really really bad. And those are the people who are doing it. You know, or peer pressuring people into do things they shouldn't. But I think. We have to kind of look at it this way um, so that it makes sure that we're all sort of being aware of it. How about um, those people who help other people into gossip? You think that counts? I think it does. And, he's, and remember in the book, we talked about the sin scale thing in one of our messages on a Sunday. And if you don't, I'm going I'm to review it again this Sunday. That sin scale is that thing that we have, and, and almost everybody has it somewhere, that, that has gone in and arbitrarily judged sin by yourself, and you've made some sin really, really bad sin, and some sin eh, not so bad sin. And generally the sin you're most involved in is the not so bad stuff, <laughs> and other people's sin is the really, really bad stuff. Unless it happens to be the same as yours, then it's them. just a little, it's just a little tiny sin. <laughs> um, and yet we need to be careful. See, these are the things that we always have to look at. We don't, because we, what we don't want to do is entice people to sin. And, it, and it's, but it's very easy to do. It's very easy to get caught up in that stuff. It's very easy in little things to get 
people going and to have people bring you into it as well. And Jesus is saying to his disciples, look, you really got you to look at this stuff. And, and you've got you to deal with it. And, and we need to be very real with one another in our relationships. And, and then he goes on and he takes it this next step. Pretty intense step. Because he goes on and says, and then when, if someone sins against you, what's your response supposed to be? And Jesus says, you need to rebuke them and then forgive them. Now, that's a pretty interesting word, that word rebuke. It's not one that comes up in normal conversation anymore. Right? When was the last time you, you um, sort of dropped the word rebuke out there? Yep. You got no any reason, right? And, and if, if you've ever done that, said that to somebody, it sounds really weird. I rebuke you. Because <laughs> I've tried it, and they just look at you like, what? Because <laughs> it seems like it'd be real spiritual, you know what I mean? I rebuke you. What? They look at you like, I don't even know what that means. Um, so what's the concept? It, the concept is this. S- in, in, in situations in life, sometimes rather than deal with something that needs to be dealt with, we just sort of let it slide. And, and the problem is that it, it stays out there as an issue. And, and we need to be able to press into those things in the context of healthy relationship. And um, I think that, that what we need to do is we need to make sure that it's handled in love. Uh, Ephesians 4.15, I know I've got a couple of verses I'm going to read to you that, that aren't in your notes. But uh, in Ephesians 4.15, you can write them down, look them up later. It says, instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head that is Christ. Um, all things, speaking all things in love. And so, Jesus is saying that if someone, if you feel someone has sinned against you, you need to bring it up. It needs to be done in love, though, and not in an accusatory fashion. And, and you need to bring it up in such a way that, that it can be open for discussion, because sometimes you might think that someone has sinned against you, when, when in reality you totally misconstrued it, and you, you're the one that got it sort of backwards, and they sort of need the opportunity to explain it because you never said anything. Now here's this issue that's laying there, and they got no clue. You ever had this happen? And, 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 and that's why it's so important that we bring it up. Um, uh, Jesus, in, in Matthew 6, 14 and 15, said this. Write that down. Look it up. For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive their sins. Uh, I know we're in a different book, but I, I wanted to talk about forgiveness and repentance and, and how it works, and that there's a lot of emphasis on the need for forgiveness in the Gospels. And we looked at this when we were in Matthew. Again, in Matthew 18, verses 21 and 22, Peter comes to Jesus and says, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother when he sins against me? Up to seven times. And Jesus answers, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. Um, and so the question would be, I think, a reasonable question is, why is there so much emphasis on forgiveness? Because Jesus broadened the point in our Luke passage by, by telling the, the, the apostles they needed to forgive. And then he said, even if it's seven times a day, you need to forgive. And, and why is it so important? And in Ephesians 4, 25 through 27, I know it's another verse, write it down, look it up. It says, therefore... 
Each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to his neighbor, for we're all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. Now, one of the main reasons that we need to operate in forgiveness in our relationships is that if we don't, we give the devil a foothold. And, and that word foothold is an interesting Greek word, tapas. And, and uh, tapas means, uh, among other things, like a landing place. Um, tapas is the place where, where we get our word, is the word that we get our word topography from. You know how you take pictures of like, areas? And it has this idea of uh, like a landing place. And in effect, what happens is if we begin to uh, walk in unforgiveness, we give the enemy a place to attack our relationships. And it's, it's, it's in that context that lots of bad things happen. Uh, it's in the context of unforgiveness when relationships fall apart, um, when, when families fall apart, churches fall apart, communities fall apart, because this unforgiveness gets in, and it's the stomping ground, if you would, of the enemy. He loves it. And so Jesus makes it a big deal that we need to forgive. Saying, you know, if, if you don't forgive, it's like messing with your own forgiveness that you got from the Lord. It's that important that you're a forgiving person. And so we have to learn to forgive. Now, in, in the Luke account, uh, when I read it, the, it sort of says, um, if he repents, then you forgive. And Well, that's okay. But Matthew's account doesn't have the two things tied together. In Matthew's account, you just forgive. Their repentance is, is on them and doesn't determine whether or not you're to forgive. See, and I think, biblically, when you get the bigger picture, at the cross, your sin was paid for and, in effect, forgiven, and, and, and yet you sort of get to salvation through repentance. The relationship with God is restored through repentance. It's, it's made possible through forgiveness, but your reception of it, it, it happens in repentance. When you turn from your sin and you go to God, there's the connection that's made. In relationships, I believe that what needs to happen is we need to be people who forgive. We need to be people who forgive. Seven times, 77 times, forever and ever and ever, we need to forgive people when they've sinned us. Um, and we need to make sure that we've talked about it with them first. In, in those accounts in Matthew 18, you can look and it says, if, if your brother sins against you, then go and talk to him. If you don't resolve it, take somebody with you. And then, you know, if that doesn't resolve it, take, you know, you take two or three people with you. If that doesn't resolve it, let the church know that there's an issue. The reason that you, if you get stuck, you might need to get somebody else involved is for what I said earlier. Sometimes it may not be what you perceive it to be. And, and you need to get people that you trust involved to see what's really happening. Because we don't want to leave undealt with stuff floating around. Because the enemy says, hey, there's landing ground for me. I'm going to get in there and I'm going to see how much mess I can make in the midst of this unforgiveness. So, I believe when we, when we read Matthew's account that, that forgiveness is something that we do. We, we forgive people when they wrong us. Now, how does that tie in, though, with the idea of repentance? And, and here, here's what I said. Cause, see, at some level, you know, if somebody says, I don't like your shirt, and you can say, hey, this is really a nice shirt... And, and so, you know, I rebuke you. And, 
and I forgive you because I don't care. Um, see, that's easy. I mean, everybody can do that, right? But what about when somebody... See, because some people have been wronged against, I mean, in, in ways that, that I, I don't even want to talk about. And I get that. And, and when someone's been wronged against like that at some point in their life, and, it, and unfortunately in this broken world it happens often, um, the, the idea of forgiveness is like, I'm not forgiven. For what you, if you knew what they did to me, you wouldn't even consider asking me to forgive them. That's, those are the discussions we get into. And yet, the reality is, unless you forgive them, the bitterness stays in you. And what you need to understand is, is that that forgiveness, God has us move in that because it's the best thing for us, is to forgive the people that have wronged us. However, it doesn't mean, apart from repentance, that the relationship goes right back to what it used to be. See, there's a, there's a place, and I don't believe it's unforgiveness at all, that when you've been wronged, that, that you forgive that person, which means you're, you quit, your, you give up your presumed right to judge them, and you give that to God, and you say, okay, they're, on, they're yours now, I'm, 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 I'm letting it go, I forgive them. But, but it doesn't mean that you let them come right back in and hurt you again, or, or continue to take advantage of you, or for whatever it was. Um, what you're allowed then to see is repentance. And most of the time, repentance takes time. See, because trust has to be rebuilt. And someone who sincerely wants to repent will allow you the time that it takes for the relationship to be restored and healed. But someone that's not repentant will kind of want to rush through the deal. And you'll hear things like, I told you I was sorry. But, see, you guys know that really doesn't work, right? <laughs> it would be great if it did because it would speed things along, but... If someone's been hurt and you, and you say to them, I told you I was sorry, it kind of just makes it worse. And so you, you repent by demonstrating godly sorrow, which means I hurt you, I get it, I know it's going to take time, and you've got it. But I'm here and want another chance. And so there's a difference between um, forgiveness, I believe, and then complete restoration of a relationship which requires repentance. And, and that, that's a very biblical model. Now, when Jesus said this to his disciples, that this is how they needed to deal with kingdom relationships, is this very upfront, if there's something that's not right, let's get to it, and, and let's have lots of forgiveness in works and in the motion. You know, do you love their response? You know what they said? Dude, increase our faith. not how they said it, but that's how I hear it. I don't believe they said dude 2,000 years ago, especially to Jesus. But their thought was, we can't do that. That's like completely contrary to everything that we understand. If someone wrongs us, we're just going to hate them. We're going to wrong them back. If someone badmouths us, we'll badmouth them. That's how we do it. That's how we've always done it. And what you're telling us is, is just not, we don't even think it's possible, you need to increase our faith. Because doesn't that seem, I mean, when someone hurts you, your natural tendency is to hurt them back, to make them pay, to, to get even. That's your natural tendency. And the disciples were saying, that's what's natural. What you're asking us to do is not. So we need more faith. And Jesus' response is pretty fascinating because 
he doesn't say, oh yeah, sure, I'll give you all the faith you need. You know what it says? You just need a tiny little bit of faith to do this. You know why he said that? Because you're supposed to do it because I just told you you need to do it. And that really ought to be enough. And then he goes into that story that he tells about the servant who goes out and works all day and does what he's supposed to do. And then he says, you know, if he just goes and does what he's supposed to do when he comes in, you don't like say, here you go, let me make you dinner, cook dinner, finish doing what you're supposed to do. And, and that's just what they're supposed to do. And, and his, his, the point that he's saying to the disciples is this. I've told you guys you need to forgive. Rebuke and forgive. Confront it and forgive. Deal with it and forgive. I've told you that's what you need to do. That's enough. That's why you do it. It's about obedience at that point. See, and that's what we, we sometimes have to remember that we often want to use as an excuse to not do something we don't want to do. Oh, I, don't, I can't do it. I don't have enough faith for it. I can't. I don't. And, and it's not the issue. On these sort of situations where Jesus has said, this is what you will do, that's what you do. And he, he says that because it's good for you. And, it, and sometimes we don't think it is because we think it's better for us if someone's hurt us to hold it against them. That's the natural deal, but it doesn't work in the kingdom. And so we forgive. And if for no other reason, then Jesus told us to. You, you need to forgive those people. That's it. And, and in his he was pretty, pretty clear. Rebuke and forgive. Deal with it and forgive. Get it out there. Find out what's really going on. Forgive. Why? So the enemy can't get in and destroy you. So, so the enemy can't have his way in, in the community and pull it apart. So that when I leave you and there's just the 12 of you as you get this thing going again, that you don't get all mixed up with one another and don't deal with it and then get torn apart and the enemy shuts the whole thing down. Do you get how important it is to operate in forgiveness in the kingdom? Why it's such a primary function for his disciples and how counter culture it is, if nothing else, how, how against the natural grain of things it is to be a forgiving people. And yet that's what we're called to be. We're called to forgive. And, and not, but not stuff it and not deal with it, forgive. Get it out there and deal with it. And if it's wrong, it's dealt with. And if, and if, you, if they're not wrong and you figure that out, then, then you go, oh, I'm sorry. But, but deal with it. Don't just let stuff slide. Because people will let that stuff happen and never confront it. And they just never deal with it their whole lives. And, and families are destroyed over it. And church, all sorts of stuff. Just because no one would step up and do the uncomfortable thing. Hey, why'd you, why'd you say that about my shirt? <laughs> you get what I mean? Okay, that was the big deal. So, you have plenty of faith. If you know Jesus... See, now he's talking to the disciples who already had put their faith in Jesus. He's saying you've got plenty to deal with this. This is a kingdom basic. It's a dynamic. And you need to do it. And, and he'll help you do it. You can, you can meet him there. I mean, I know some, some people, when something really bad has happened, they're like, I can't... At the point, I say, you know... We've got to, and he'll help us. you just got to trust him that he'll help you. But that can't be an excuse not to deal with the big stuff. Wow, I've spent a lot of time talking about that. I apologize. Last couple of steps. Luke 17, 11 through 19, he talks about the ten lepers that asked for healing. And, and interesting because he says, go and show yourself to the priest. As they went, they were healed. So what you need to know is these ten guys asked for healing. Jesus says, go ahead and show yourselves to the priest, which is what you would do once you were healed. They hadn't, it, the way it's written, it hadn't happened yet. And as they said, okay, we'll go do that because you told us to. See, this is another illustration of that last story about getting things right because he told them to. Jesus said to these guys, go take, you go and do it. And they said, okay, we'll go and do it. And as they went to do it, they were healed. 
So, so there's sometimes that response in faith. You have enough faith. He told, you to, he told them to do it. They asked. He said, okay, go show yourselves to the priest. It says they went, and as they went, they were healed. And I, I think it's just a follow-up to this idea in, in the first um, verses. And then uh, another note, only one of them comes back and says, thank you. And I, I just think about that all the time. Why it's so important to be thankful every day is that we... It, you would think that'd be a no-brainer, wouldn't you? If you were, if you were at a skin condition, leprosy meant all the skin conditions back then. But if you had a skin condition, you were exiled from the community. You weren't allowed to be in. That's why they yell from a distance. They weren't allowed anywhere. They weren't. You had a skin condition of any type. Well, and and they're healed. They're and by going to the priest, they're they're reinstated into community. That's a pretty significant deal. And you would think, Jesus was like, and what happened to the other nine? They all got healed too, right? I think a lot of times we, we forget how important it is to be thankful for the things in our lives. And that's why we try and get you to do it every day. It's very easy to get not thankful. Right? And then at the end, it's a discussion on the kingdom. And it, it ties in again because the Pharisees um, were blinded by their lack of faith. And so they couldn't see that the kingdom of God had come upon them in Jesus. They couldn't see it because they, they just shut it all down and they, in effect, missed what God is doing. And, and so all of these stories are about the importance of faith and, and, uh, and keeping our faith in Christ and, and in obedience, doing what he tells us to do, and then, and, and then trusting that he's going to help us to do it. And that's enough for today. And Luke 17, if you're watching by video, thank you for watching. And if you need anything, you can call us, write us, email us. We'll do what we can. Hello to everybody in Williston. God bless you guys. We're going to close here by praying. Pass me your prayer requests if you've got them, and I will be happy to pray for you.